Thank you. Greetings, Splendor, for a salutations, and once again, from us to you, a warm and hearty welcome from the Night The Mail. Night the Mail. <laughs> this one's gooey, man. I was laughing my ass off last night, crying. Brother, if it's not fine, we'll nor represent you at all. Hey, Come on, you give me a form deep on ride, will you? That's all I want in life. Can't you do that for me? It was just weird. You like was. Five thirty in the morning. I know you. I know what you were doing last night. I saw you. <laughs> yeah, man. I know you. I know where you live. <laughs> Shout out to T Burn. Yo, you're the man, dude. I seen you up on one twenty fifth Street. I know we're the same. You and me, we're the same. <laughs> uh, welcome to the nightmare. Ugh, feeling tired. I have like that good tired, you know, like the, the, uh, like it, it hurts cause you're exhausted. You went to the gym, but like you feel good. You got energy. It's like one of those tireds, but it's a good one. It's like when I was doing a leg press machine. Got to do that when you get older, you know, when you, when you're, uh, what happens when you get older, your, your glutes dissolve into mashed potatoes. You sit down on the chair and then, uh, and then you feel like it's like bone on bone, like bone on rock. <laughs> You're like, what happened to my bum? Where'd it go? I'll tell you where it went. 2,000 Miller Lights and Twinkies ago, it disappeared because you're not doing anything. Anyway, so I'm back in the gym. I'm working at a depot, doing nights, stocking shelves. So I'm exhausted. I'm going to get off till like 2 in the morning. Oh, God. But it's good. People there are awesome. I'm back in uh, in my failed business right now, sitting next to a uh, a uh, tub replacement part box that's shielding me from the outside world, but also reminding me that I have to replace a tub. <laughs> What's that line from Rounders? Oh, thanks, Cement Truck, for driving by at 5,000 miles an hour in a 25-mile-an-hour zone. Yeah, don't worry, you won't run any over any school children. Jesus. Um, it's like Buckner walking back into Shea, right? That's how I feel sitting here in my restaurant, empty, all dead. Are you going to open? No, not going to open. I can't work for free anymore. Jesus. I got to talk about that because that's what this is about. Episode one, numero uno, kicking it off. Oh, yeah. What's up? Awesome. Straighten your posture. Your posture is not good. You look like your neck is bent. Are you rolling your back? (laughs) So, yeah, it's just tough being here took a lot of time to process uh the fact that uh as my boy once said dude great business bro just bad location 100 <laughs> percent accurate that's so good um you know but it, it's it's tough you put all your blood sweat and tears into a business and sometimes it goes and sometimes it doesn't sometimes you gotta throw in the towel sometimes you, it's just a pause right it's like the old campaign uh pause people don't cancel political campaigns anymore right what do they do I suspended my campaign <laughs> indefinitely. <laughs> Big words. Don't you just mean that you're going away now, sir? And we don't have to listen to you? I think that's what that means. <laughs> suspended. So I suspended operations of my business. That's what I've done. Oh, good. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, yeah, I've been processing. Processing. We got to process. Nine emotions of misery and depression. Processing. Processing. Uh, loading. Loading. Processing. Processing. However you want to say it. I've been processing the uh, all my emotions, all my stuff. I feel better. I've come out the other side of this thing. That's kind of what this first episode is about. I uh, I was really depressed and sad. You know, you got to close up shop. You got to admit that your baby's ugly. It's ugly. It's stupid. It doesn't know what it's doing. Oh, good. Just throw it in a lake. <laughs> Stephen King novel. <laughs> uh, that's another topic for another. Anyway, um, and I turned a corner. I turned a corner, you know, and I started looking at it positively. Um, thanks to support from my beautiful wife and uh, my friends. And, you know, um, shout out to Chib Weze. And they were like, dude, you know, think about all the positives, right? What have you gained? And I thought to myself, well, yeah, I gained a lot. You have to look at failure as you have to decide how you want to process failure, right? At the end of the day, 
do you want to sit back and cry about it in the corner? Sure. Yeah, as Bill Burr would say, go have a good shower cry, right? Go do that. But then when you're done, you have to decide. Are you going to sit there and drink beer and eat Twinkies and watch Netflix and be a loser, right? And just stare at the wall. Hey, woe is me. It didn't work. God hates me. It's all my... Or are you going to turn a corner and say, hey, listen, I'm going to cut the booze out. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get some of my energy levels up. I'm going to put myself out in the world, fight off the rejection, get back out there and uh, start contributing to society, right? In some way, shape, form, fashion or another, right? That's that's the decision you have to make. So that's what I've done. And yeah, man, it's just, uh, it's been good. It's been good so far. So, you know, I le- realized I learned a lot. I got a lot of experience out of this, right? I mean, as my boy said, Chib, he said, dude, you got your, your MBA from the School of Hard Knocks. That's really valuable, right? I mean, you, you never know what it's like to run a business unless you've done it. You never know what it's like to be a business owner unless, unless you've done it. You never know what it's like to do anything unless you do it. You can read all you want in the books, watch it on the old YouTube there, right? But it doesn't matter unless you go do it. You don't know. I won't send it to my cousin once. So there's a huge difference. There's two types of experiences. It's probably more than two types, but uh, in my stupid brain, there's only two. One is direct experience and the other is uh, indirect experience. And I was like, direct experience is essentially always more valuable. It's like, you know, it's like my brother-in-law said one day, dude, you, you can never know what it's like to have children unless you have one. And I was like, yeah, I read about it. Looks like a lot of diaper changing, a lot of screaming, a lot of sleep deprivation. I know what it's like. At the end of the day, you, you don't know. Now I have, now you have children and then you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> you see all the parents posting on Instagram and YouTube. They're like, this is nuts. I can't survive. I'm losing it making comedy out of you got it they'd make comedy to process it because it's absolutely sapping in every which way possible if you care if you don't care well it's not sapping you're just a selfish asshole you know so i got my school i got my mba from the school of hard knocks and uh and i and i met a lot of truly wonderful people made new friends a lot of new friends um and really had a wonderful community come out here and support us you know there's a group of people who gave us tons of feedback saying hey dude you might want to add a little salt on these potatoes <laughs> i'm not saying they suck but uh Oh, you, but you catch my drift. <laughs> and that's valuable, you know? Um, you know, you put out the ref- the referral, not the referral box. What do you call that thing? The request box? Suggestion box. The suggestion box, right? And you read 10, you know, nine. You suck. <laughs> you suck again. <laughs> and one's like, dude, you should carry uh, decaf coffee. And you're like, oh, why didn't we think of that? Why didn't we have decaf for the non-caffeine addicts? It's good stuff, so. And then, you know, and then being being creating a welcoming environment. So, you know, where everybody's welcome, everybody gets treated equitably, fairly. You pay your employees good, or at least the best that you can. You take care of them, right? You pay them first because you know the owner of the business. He doesn't take anything home or she doesn't take anything home. The last person to get paid is the owner. That's how it works. And all business owners know what I'm talking about. Um, so what is this podcast about? Well, I'll tell you what it's not. It's not this. Hey, Fire Nation. Welcome back to another episode of the old crypto giggity business. We're talking with Walter Scott about Martech and all the other. It's not that. It's also not this. Dear Walter left the shelter after years of torment. He just couldn't deal with himself with the extrapolation of his personal philosophy. Oh my god, super dude, super dude, super dude, super dude. We should have everything, like everything now and like not later, but now. <laughs> super dude. <laughs> it's not that either. It's none of that stuff. What is Nightmail? Uh, it's our own unique brand of entertainment. Uh, we hope uh, you uh, like it. Uh, bada bing, bada boom. It's also about um, uh, interviews. Uh, with business owners and real people. And I think you guys are going to like it. Um, I, I learned a lot. Uh, I got a lot of experience, met a lot of wonderful people. And for all those things, I'm grateful. You know, I just saw an, uh, an article on my phone today. It talked about happiness. Uh, so the source was CNN. So, you know, questionable. <laughs> uh, they're all questionable sources. Um, but happiness is like, happiness is an illusion. We shouldn't be striving for happiness. <laughs> But I kind of believe in that. I kind of believe happiness is an illusion. I think we should focus on other things. So, for instance, you know, what about fulfillment, right? Fulfillment, that comes from overcoming obstacles, right? Or if you seek a challenge, right? You commit yourself to something, to achieving something. 
you have huge happiness at the end of that. When you achieve your goal, whatever that goal is, right? I'm going to hike this, this trail. I'm going to lose five pounds, right? Put my old bikini back on. I'll, sh- I'll show my ex. He's going to look at my booty. And he is just going <laughs> to, um, whatever your goal is, right? You know, we're going to get jacked, pull on Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm going to get promoted at work. I'm going to get a new job, whatever it is. Get a master's degree online, whatever, you, whatever your stuff is, right? But I mean, once you achieve those things, you feel amazing. So maybe it's more about fulfillment. Right? Maybe happiness is an illusion, meaning we shouldn't like strive for this stupid, vague term of happiness, but we should strive for fulfillment. You know, another way that generates happiness, so to speak, or at least gives you that sort of feeling of joy is uh, helping others, right? We all get it. You ever given somebody five bucks when they're down on their luck? You ever pick them up off the ground? You ever give somebody an opportunity, right? I have. Who, who just felt like the world forgot about them. And that, that, just, that just fills your heart all the way up. It fills the heart up. You feel great. So maybe we should focus on those things. What are the behaviors, right, that we can do day in and day out um, that, you know, that, that bring happiness? I think we should focus on those things. But I digress. That being said, and other stupid trite sayings like that, that being said, <laughs> oh, that being said, don't say that. Stop that, people. Don't use that phrase anymore. It's completely worthless. It's like the chair has legs. It just, it's just, it's like what? It's just, it's just a dumb, trite, meaningless phrase. Please stop it. Stop it and stop with the. the uh, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna charge more for the Hershey bar, uh, and then we're gonna skim the the size of the bar down one tenth, and we'll charge more, and we're gonna make more profit, shareholder. <laughs> that being said. <laughs> Don't do that one. It's as bad as super. Super, oh my God. I'm 45, bald and fat. I should never use the word super. If I do, I should get an automatic like slap in the face. Like whoever's near me. Like I'm in the post office. I'm like, oh my God, it's super, dude. Like the woman, the 70-year-old the woman in front of me, she just blast me in the face. <laughs> just put me in check. <laughs> like, no, you don't, you don't say that. You don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh, listen, I almost forgot. Um, check it out. I want to do something. Uh, if, if you're like me and you work in the service business, like you work at, you know, Depot, Chili's, restaurants, whatever, you know, even uh, blue collar guys, plumbers, electricians. Hey, guys and gals, Marty. Uh, guys and gals. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, uh, it's for everybody. Everybody does things. I know. It's not just dudes. I know. I would love for you to send us emails at yournightmail.com. That's yournightmail.com, all one word. Hit that up or hit up our Substack, 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 Subwack, Wacky Whack, Whack-A-Mole. Um, or hit up our Substack, uh, nightmail.substack.com. Uh, we want to do a, um, we want to take in as many uh, funny work stories. Like if you got a funny work story, <laughs> like I'll tell you one, my friend Vanessa, she's going to be on the show uh, one of these days. She used to run uh, a franchise edible uh, we'll just call it that, uh, in a location in the continental United States, so as not to be sued. And uh, there was for sure two people banging on a case of mangoes in the refrigerator. <laughs> That's awesome. Marty, look at the security video footage. Yeah, no, no, they didn't, uh, the mangoes were, were still good. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not appropriate work behavior, probably an HR violation. Anyway, one of the, one of the funnier stories I've heard, and if you have stories like that, uh, you know, as a business owner or as just somebody who works for a company where it's just hilarious, hilarious stuff, any service people, even insurance people pick with the phone have to deal with that crap. I'll tell you another funny story was uh, um, one time I was working for a radio station in New York City and uh, my friend was interviewing the head of the uh, taxi cab union <clears throat> at the time. This was like, you know, decades ago, right? And they're like, oh, okay, Bob. So uh, you know, what do you what do you feel about uh, how do you feel about the, uh, the union contract negotiations? <laughs> Giggity, whatever whatever they're talking about. And he, you know, and he's like, oh, let me tell you, you know, first off, and he's like, oh shoot, <laughs> and during the interview, he crashes his car. I don't need to explain the irony of the head of the taxicab union crashing his car, but then magnifying the impact by having it happen on on uh, on radio. That is just, that's what we call double whammy. It's one of the greatest stories I've ever heard. Anyway, if you have stories like that from your workplace, drop us a line. Email us service people out there. You know you know who we're talking about. 
because I want to read them. I want to read them on this podcast because I love those stories and I've been a, a service worker forever. So I come from a blue collar family. You know what I mean? So hit, hit us up. I want to take the great ones and I want to put them out there because that's it's just like, those are the pick me ups, you know, your day's going bad and you're like, oh yeah, you think your day's going bad. <laughs> it ain't this bad. <laughs> and all of a sudden you laugh, you feel better. Hey, you know, I'm all right. I got my health. I still have my feet. <laughs> I didn't get run over by a forklift or whatever, you know? Um, anyway, so hit us up, all right? That's it. Episode one, man. Nightmail. What's up? First interview is with um, my awesome friend, oh, Nini. She's the best. Nini's a rock star. She is a uh, entrepreneur, community leader, small business owner, third generation hand tea blender, spiritual advisor. Dude, this woman's a rock star. She's awesome. She's uh, she's a firecracker. She's got the old Persian sales techniques. <laughs> I should talk about that. Uh, I met her when I opened up. I needed a tea vendor. I needed somebody to buy tea from. And I was like, I don't want to buy it from Lipton. No disrespect, but you know, you got enough money, Lipton. Let me support a small business. You know what I mean? Somebody who's trying to get off the ground, trying to feed their family. And uh, I found her and her tea is absolutely magical and delicious. It's called Tay Tea. Check it out at taytea.com. Shout out. Anyway, so I went out to Delhi, New York, which is literally in the middle of nowhere. There is a SUNY school there, believe it or not. After you pass all the fields and the cows and the inbreeding, uh, you get out to uh, uh, <laughs> Delhi. I'm kidding. Um, it's, a, it's a nice town. There's good people out there. Anyway, she's out there crushing it, um, providing her community. But she also launched online stores. She's an amazing woman. She's got a crazy story. And I said to myself, you know, if I ever did this thing, if I ever um, launched a... Uh, the old podcast here. He should be a comedian. He's so funny. I'm he's I'm sorry, but he's failing my class. But he is hilarious. <laughs> I always said if I ever did this, um, I would uh, put awesome people on. So that's what this is. So the first episode is an interview with Nini, uh, my awesome friend, owner, uh, manager, uh, persona extraordinaire uh, of Tati. All right, perfect. Perfect. Cool. What's up, lady? Thank you for having me at your beautiful tea shop. You're so welcome. It's nice to have you. I want to know your story. You have 18 years. Yes. <laughs> we have we have a long time. Okay. Because we've been doing business for a long time. Yeah. But I don't really know your origin story and I but I I'm, I want to know. Like yeah. how does one arrive here? Right, right in Delhi, New York? From where you began, because I know like myself, you lived in New York City, yeah. you had many other professions, Yeah, you have many other wild experiences, they but then you're up and down, but now you're here. And I remember you telling me, oh, like I'm a third generation hand tea crafter and blender right. and it's been in my family, right? So I know some of your story, but I don't know like the origins, like it, the chronological origin, like the, the origin of it from like start to finish. But so I, like, I want to, yeah. I want to know that, you know. Everything in my life has been very, is that even a word, circuitous? Yes. So in circles, never never straight lines. So um, in terms of how I got here and why tea, uh, that was also something that came to me when I stopped, when was it, like 18 years ago, or 19 actually, stopped doing decorating and interior design. In Is that what you were doing in the city? In the city. Okay. And um, I kind of got, not bored with it, but tired of it. And they say the normal person goes through 11 different jobs or careers. I'm not at 11 <laughs> yet. but um, I can't tell you how reassuring that is from a personal perspective. <laughs> yeah, and I think in, in this culture uh, and in most cultures, there's this... Um, kind of emphasis on doing one thing and doing that. Whereas if you're creative, like myself and you, we like to dabble in different things and like to explore different things because we know we're not going to be on planet Earth for 800 years. We have a certain limited time, really. And as you get older, you realize, oh my God, the most precious commodity really is not anything you can buy. It's time. Amen. You know? Yeah. And uh, I just, 
felt, you know, all of a sudden I woke up at 40, which is kind of late to create all this and, and the gypsy caravan circus that comes with it. Um, because usually people are on track then. And I was like, God, before I die, I have to do something creative and fun. Yeah. And I have to create beauty for myself first and then share it with people. So that was the motivation. I didn't think about money. I didn't think about merchandising or uh, marketing. It, it really, for me, came into this one big circular tornado of passion and being driven by doing something that really I wanted to wake up to. So you wanted to create something. I wanted to create something that, that um, I mean, there's nothing, Picasso used to say, nothing new under the sun and we always steal and, and take care. Everything is borrowed. Borrowed. Yeah, but yeah. you know, I, I felt like in my adopted country, which is USA, there wasn't the choy khane, the, the tea houses that we had back home in Iran. I wanted to create that. And a choy khane is the house of tea. Mm -hmm. That's the translation, but it's more than that. So it's really like a gathering space for people to come to you and share stories, you hear people, they talk to you, things become revealed. Mm -hmm. and so it's not just a place of commerce, it's a gathering place. And for me, that was so important to show my community, which happens to be here, that hospitality that is uh, really ingrained in my heart and in my culture of more than 3,000 years. And I thought that was what was going to drive this caravan and that was what was going to define its uh, kind of special branding. Uh, and I think. But how did you, did you like wake up one morning and like, how did you decide all of a sudden that you wanted to like, I don't know, like take some of those things from your culture that you yeah. remember when you were younger mm -hmm. and then decide to say, I'm going to, I'm going to carry that forward. And it's going to be very different from what I was doing professionally before. Yeah. So, you know, as like you what's know, the catalyst, you know what I mean? Yeah, the catalyst was um, there was a, a friend of mine, Camille, in Brooklyn, and she had all of a sudden, she was involved in the Unitarian Church. And all of a sudden, she was like, Nini, I need your help. I said, with what? Sure, anything. And uh, she wanted me to serve tea to 70 people. And at that point, I had several of my tea blends already because I'm always, you know me, I'm always making things. So it started with the teas, you know. It came to me maybe in a dream, maybe in a, uh, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and think what I can do that's going to be different. Not cooking, but but because the tea blending is in my bloodline. You were already doing it in your house. Yeah, I was yeah. already doing it. Already, my, yeah. and, and, experimenting. And, and, you know, my great-grandfather and my great-aunt, tea blenders, but they weren't professionals. Like my mom used to say, everything in America becomes a business. Like that, <laughs> that used to be- the, For better or worse. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. well, better in this yeah. case, but in, in like everything has to be so serious. Anyways, but, but for me to make it into a business was to be able to share it with so many more people than my little group of friends and families. So um, I decided, okay, why am I gonna say no to her? I, I, I said yes. And then I got a couple of people to help me. I realized, wow, not, I mean, she had food and this and that, and there were more than 75 people. Uh, and uh, At her house? It was at, at, at a church. Okay. Oh, Unitarian church. church. Yeah, yeah. Unitarian okay. uh -huh. church. And I remember at that time, my husband, um, Anthony Chase, was one of the helpers. And two, three other, we just roped people in. And so the event went really well. It was a fundraiser for her church. And I thought, wow, so much fun. I mean, it was a lot of work, but the joy of seeing these people, like I did a whole Moroccan um, tea service with Berber, which is spearmint and green tea, and with mint and, you know, did it. With like, Berber? With Berber. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah. So, uh -huh. so, and I had that tea at that time. So that was very special. Um, and it gave me an idea that, wow, maybe I can do this. Um, and the idea of maybe a shop in the future. But first was making the teas and mm -hmm. making sure that people like the teas that I'm making. So, of course, I would have lots of parties and serve them and was very encouraged because people were interested. 
but more than just the tea was like this this mm -hmm. that was happening the, mm -hmm. you know somebody had one kind of tea and they told me stories about how this reminds them of their grandmother in greece and this element in there they picked from the mountain you know that's the kind of um culture and and storytelling and interest that comes around something that's ancient art and mm -hmm. ritual mm -hmm. and i'm interested in ancestral pull whatever it is magic beauty fashion tea so and it's not just my culture like i'm interested in all cultures and how that ancestral information um, kind of colors our life mm -hmm. because i believe that people are not straight lines we're circles and we recycle uh, ancient souls and traditions and and that's good because you know to become a full human i think we need to be aware of what's before us mm -hmm. and then be able to share that with the next generation and the next generation and the next one so so it was it's funny because when people ask me this question and i've been asked this many times what made you all of a sudden wake up and do this it didn't it was very incremental mm -hmm. uh, first the divorcing myself of going into people's homes and beautifying their lives and one day waking up and not caring to do that anymore. Right. Like, you know, I, and that's okay. It's just a change. Yeah, and right? I was like, it happens oh to, yeah, I, I, really, I know that feeling, you know, like <clears throat> I'm not interested in that. I don't really care how people live. I hope it's beautiful, mm -hmm. but I don't want to do it for them. Right. You and for some I mean? reason, the passion that was once there just sort no, of like dissipates and you're like, it, I, yeah. I no longer am being finding myself fulfilled doing that activity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it was a lot of running around and, and it wasn't satisfying and the money was good, but you know, actually money has never driven my particular engines. You know, it's always been mm -hmm. passion, uh, creativity and spirit work, you know? And so I feel like in creating this space that you're sitting in now, um, all of my interests, everything I'm interested in, food, fashion, beauty, 100% people, and talking and making friends and gathering. And I think my only gift, if it's the one that kind of is on top of all the other things that I think I'm good at, is connecting people. Mm -hmm. And this is such a great place to do that. Yeah. You know, people come here and it's not just who I meet, but how they casually meet each other. Mm -hmm. And... That is magic, yeah. you know, yeah. and that is something I have no control over. Mm -hmm. So I can't take credit for that. Well, you can, but, you can take credit for creating a space where that's maybe, maybe enabling it to occur, yes, right? exactly. Yeah. But that's the beauty of life mm -hmm. where things are not random. Mm -hmm. You know, like today you were meant to see my friend Sal. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think these things are important. So that, I had that vision that one day I would have what I have now. Mm -hmm. It's also for me important to, as a creative, to have a vision of what I want to build and not just do things haphazardly. Yeah. Because they don't mean anything. Like to live with intention is everything. Mm -hmm. um, even if those intentions are very minute and small, mm -hmm. like I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to yoga class and I'm going to do maybe two other things. But like planning things out like that. Maybe it's because I'm a pain in the ass Virgo, but but I like to have some kind of uh, framework mm -hmm. for where I'm going. And this was like the first time in my life that I, I felt like, wow, I have control over what I want to do. And and buying a house up here and, and soon after starting that first shop in Andes was doable because... As a New Yorker, you know how things are just too many hurdles, uh, financial and otherwise, and you just can't open a shop. I mean, my first shop was $250 or something a month, you know. Who can't do that? So right. it was very doable. Mm -hmm. So another thing that really drew me to doing the business here was that very um, real fact that I could do it, mm -hmm. budget myself, and, you know, started with the teas and a few other things until, you know, 18 years later where it really exploded. It's blossomed. 
and 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 blossom because also you have when you have a brick and mortar as you know mm-hmm. you're listening to what people want yes so if you're a good business person well, uh, well I and then well, you, and then you have to apply your own filter yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but um and, and don't you love it when people come in and say you should. You know what you should do. You should. I've never run my own business, <laughs> but you know what you should do. Yeah, yeah Your shop. Thanks. You should start giving out free haircuts. That's right. And you're like, I'm sorry, I'm a tea shop. Yeah. I'm a. I'm a I'm Can a, I have an egg sandwich? <laughs> yeah. Go to Marty. Oh God. Um, when we move him to New Pulse. <laughs> anyway, but you know what I mean. Like yeah, that. Well, that was. Um, what if yeah. you offered a free foot rub along with the with the tea? Oh, I believe me. And I mean, the you know, other story. If we, we had did, a nickel for every one of those people. Yeah. No. <laughs> God, you're a rich person. <laughs> anyway, so so that was that was the beginning, and it, it was easy to build on that. Mm-hmm. And also, I have to say another thing that I've loved and cherished, and I'm forever grateful is this. And people say this loosely, but I really mean it. The wonderful community mm-hmm. of support, and support is not just financial, like. And that's beyond ge- ge- geographical boundaries because you have support from people all over. All over. Even when you started. Oh. Sl- and let me walk it back real quick. So Unitarian <laughs> Church, Camille. Yes. Catalyst. Camille Casaretti. Yes. Italian American. I love it. Like Sal. So. I love it. And then Good you're doing, but you're already experimenting with teas in your house. You're yeah. already doing blending, yeah. right? Yeah. You're already sort of mm-hmm. making your own beautiful, delicious creations. Right. And then she comes along and then sort of, you know, you say, well, I think I can do this. So then, then where... Then you open your first shop. Yeah. And then it, where is that? And what is that like? So in Andes, and it was um, above a store in Andes that uh, the rent was really cheap. And uh, I started there. I was there five years. We expanded, actually, in all of that uh, larger space. And then this other space uh, opened up, and that was right opposite of the hotel, the Andes Hotel. Okay. And um, the space was fantastic. It was a big house. And then there was a barn out back. There was a, you know, a brook and uh, a fantastic kitchen. And I, there there was just so much space for me to expand. And uh, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when the fashion came in, the tabletop. And I had furniture there. So it, it really, the place gave me uh, space to roam. Okay. It wasn't... And to experiment further, so to speak. Experiment further. Beyond the core of the tea. Exactly. And then I did a little food too. It started kind of... It was like my laboratory. And I I loved it. But after 10 years in Andes, I decided that the commute was a little bit too much. It was like 40 minutes each way in bad weather. And I wanted to be in Delhi. I don't know. It it was just like... um, it took a little while. It was five, six months. Was there anything that pushed you? Like, was it like rent increases or like not enough traffic? Or you're like, oh, I could, yeah, I no. need to be in a more densely populated area. Absolutely. Like, all that. All of those you know, things. It okay. was just like at that time, and it's <coughs> different in Andes now. Mm-hmm. There's way more happening and more people and businesses. But at that time, like the New Yorkers would leave like the weekend. Yeah. Weekenders. Nothing. Nada. And, and There's crickets like, for like five days a week, yeah, except for Friday, Saturday, crazy. Sunday. So yeah. I, that was not good. Yeah. And then a couple of months, and then this place came up seven years ago, almost eight. And first I looked at it, I'm like, God, it's so ugly. <laughs> I went home and I think I cried. And my husband said, but darling, you make everything beautiful. And, and you know, and he helped me. That's he, why you're married to him. Seriously. He came one day and painted, you know, the outside in in two minutes, uh, and the inside we did quite a bit, um, you know. And every year we did a little bit. He did this wall mm-hmm. with his beautiful finish, and I didn't spend too much money, but every year we added something. Sure. And no, the I mean, at the beginning people were like, "Why aren't you in the middle of town?" I said, "Well, that's not exactly Madison Avenue, like you know." <laughs> What's downtown? I mean, give me, you're talking to New York. You mean where they sister. inseminate the cows at school yeah, over yeah, there? Is that the downtown? No, I mean, there's 10 stores. That's great. And I didn't really yeah. have an issue being a little bit out of town yeah. because. You are uh, right here though. I mean, you're not, I can yeah. throw a stone from exactly. the main. Yeah. And we're kind of a destination for a lot of people that have seen the movement and it, it is an established and a, 
older business that has continued. Mm-hmm. And I have to say one of the things that that I always advise to the new bunch of people that are coming in and opening stores is be consistent. Like mm-hmm. if you say you're open yes. two days, 100%. be open. 100%. Because people will get so pissed off at you. Pick a lane, but then stay in it. Stay in yes. your lane yes. and also really- Because in a way you're managing your customers' expectations, right? Exactly. And then you're, you're and they and get you're, upset. Right. Oh no, I know. You know? Well I know. you know. And it is a challenge, of course, finding people to assist you and mm-hmm. to keep it open. But I think that's been something that, you know, we knock on wood, we've been really, really lucky to find the right people. But um so yeah, so this space next to the laundromat has has uh, served us well and I no, I don't really think of jumping around and going anywhere else i mean i have looked there's just nothing mm-hmm. that would satisfy my needs mm-hmm. for both a production uh, space which is where the teas are being blended and and shared with uh, customers like yourself you know wholesale and then retail so you know and the rent is very reasonable so i'm going to back up again where do you learn to make tea like I, I have, I, I, I mean, I'm looking at, like, look at this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and on and on and on. Yeah. And I know you started with a core set of products, yeah. so to speak, or flavors or blends. And then you have expanded that line dramatically. Yeah. Cause I know, because I'm, I, I'm a loving customer, Yes. <laughs> but wh- who taught you how to blend and make tea? And yeah. then, and then, and then how do you like figure out where to go to get the ingredients that you need yeah. to make these delicious blends. Like you I want to know that I, I don't even know that that story. Yeah. Like, it's a story that's very, um, it must've come before Camille layered. Oh yeah. <laughs> because you were way, still experimenting way, way before. Um, I think also as a maker and as a cook and as a creative, I've always, I mean, I've started cooking when I was eight. Okay. My mom encouraged here me. in the States or in Iran? No, in Iran. In Iran. So when you're facile in the kitchen, this is not so far away. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Blending, cooking, spices. Um, I love to make something out of nothing. And uh, that's what my husband always says. Like, there's nothing in the house. And then Nina came home and put this meal together. <laughs> it's just, it's a gift I have. It, yeah. it's, you know, we all have different gifts. I can see things coming together. Another friend actually called me and she, he said, Nini is not a cook. She's assembler. It's true. Yeah. I assemble things. Yeah. And um, so that that is something that's innate and in me. So with the cooking spices. So with with the teas, but, I remember also as a as a very young girl, maybe six or seven. My great aunt. We used to go and visit her in the Caspian, mm-hmm. where she had a garden near the sea, and she, we would walk. Sounds like a movie. Through the gardens, and she would point things out. So herbalism came into my life. At a young age. Very young age. And then my nanny, who I was very close with, and she made this beautiful food, healing foods. Uh, I kind of took more direction from her than my mom, who was like a fantastic, like a French chef in that level. But I, I responded to my great aunt and my nannies because they would go out and like pick things and that's the kind of cooking i like to uh, combine it with uh foraging yes and and wellness Mm -hmm. that was always in my mind like you were on turmeric before turmeric became a thing (laughs) (laughs) maybe 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 but i was all you know i always say this like if you love something if you have passion then you'll learn it yeah so you know i didn't go and take a course in tea blending. But later on, actually, when we settled uh, years, like six, seven years ago, I started studying herbalism with a dear friend um, and neighbor, Marguerite Ullman Bauer, who has taught all of us. Mm -hmm. She's amazing. And uh, really investigating. And something that is ongoing, you know, I the books I read are more about herbs and medicine and herbal medicine and cooking and that's what and flowers and I'm very uh, kind of steeped in that culture of in, investigating the natural world mm-hmm. in in this 
stance and and that's what's informed me so not having a formal uh kind of education has helped in that way because prior to that it doesn't create any sort of lines in the road right exactly. to keep you in because you're like well i don't know i'm just going to go wherever in the road because right. i'm an experiment right and believe me i know a thing or two about that because i studied art um and i have a master's in painting and it, it took me years and now i'm to to kind of get rid of that and stick to the basics and i still don't paint because mm -hmm. my husband was saying the other day why don't you paint yeah he's a painter yeah and i said well i don't know school beat it out of me <laughs> so, yeah i've heard so, that from people you know right I mean? it's like almost like the education applies constraints right right and like so, and in fact it's it can work in the opposite way that it's, right. it's intended right yeah, because yeah, there were all these do's and don'ts. So I put my creativity. That can't be art, Nini. Not wait, why, why not? Right? Like, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's not art. Right. Uh, here, erase that. Mm -hmm. You're bad. Um, but but once you're a creative person, you can put it in. The whole world is, you know, your oyster, and you can put your creativity. So I put it in. You know what I'm doing now, and I think where I'm at now in my life, I can combine all my loves, which is. Fashion, food, people, community, community, stitching everybody together in this beautiful, large carpet, Persian carpet or quilt, as you have it, and and that's my interest. Yeah, and, and I feel like a lot of it actually is out of my control, which is also something I work on every day as a Virgo to let go. <laughs> you know what I mean, and let things be imperfect yeah and let them fall yeah and spill and not run to clean it or yeah. I, I struggle it. with that too yeah i no, struggle because, all the time i sure. know that feeling trust me yeah. i'm and, and i'm a sagittarius for some reason but i also struggle with that yeah yeah because i think we want things i want things to be logical and linear my brain wants that to be but my heart knows that that yeah. nothing that and my experience tells me that nothing is like that exactly nothing but we teach ourselves every day and we teach each other mm-hmm you know, just by being alive and being in touch with each other. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like, you know, I love doing what I do now. And do, it's do you have like, I don't know, I guess like, so they, so, but, so just so I, I, I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I can, can I have some more tea? Of course. Amazing. What do you have? Which one? Lover's tea, which is herbal. Yes, please. Uh, with saffron, which is aphrodisiac. Yes, please. It's, yeah. It's for this month of love. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. I added a little saffron sugar. I know that you always add something amazing to make it even Which more delicious than it originally is. Yeah, and I had a friend of mine the other day say, why do you have to make everything? Just buy it. And I'm why, like, oh. no, but buy it. Like, No, I like to make. That's like people make, like, why do you cook dinner for your kids? Like, Because I like to make sure yeah, it's delicious and nutritious. Yes, yes, and yes. I can control and then I can explain to them the value of food, where it comes from, how what I put in the recipe, whatever, right? It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, time, that precious <clears throat> time, Sitting around eating with your family. Mm -hmm. I don't think people should eat alone. No, I agree. It's really bad. I agree. We're trying to incorporate more of that. It's just, it's so hard in today's busy world. Yeah. But it is important. I remember that. If not many of the things, but one of the things I wanted to carry forward is my parents tried to always, and we were, we were able to do so because of their schedules. They both worked. Right. We're still able to have them come. And most of the times we could enjoy dinner together Which with no distraction. Right. For like at least 30 minutes, which I realize now is a blessing because it's, it's, I, 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 I talked to so many of my friends who yeah. they were like, what do you mean you guys eat dinner together? And they, they were shocked. Even today it went to modern day families with both parents working, right? Like, yeah, it's very hard. So Put your I, so, phones away. Mm -hmm. Oh, don't no even get phones. me started. No phones. I want to launch. I want to send all of them into the river. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Um, there's, there's punishment for that, you know? Oh God. So the catalyst is that. Your great aunt, and but also your mother's a chef. But, so, so all of that is there. So my mom was at, at not, an early age. Yeah, was not a chef, but she was amazing, chef-like, like very good and inventive cook. Right. And um, but you're there in your aunt's herbal garden in this beautiful place, right? At a very young, and that's when you're most impressionable, right? Like that's when it, you you remember the smells, right? I'm sure you remember everything about it. I was very interested, it, right? you know, in that. Like I had so many cousins and. Or my older, two older brothers. They weren't interested in that. Um, they were interested in other things. So I think your passion, like I said before, drives 
what you end up doing in life or pursuing. Is it fair to say that the origin of your passion comes from that time though? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Childhood where I was, also we had the opportunity thanks to my family to have, um, you know, a summer place where the three of us would be free to roam and, you know, explore nature and, and pick cherry trees, uh, cherries and climb cherry trees and just be in nature. I think that, is so vital. And that's, to, that's also probably why you're drawn to this area, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you, it's full circle. Yeah. It's full circle. The day we bought this place, I, I remember calling my mom in Iran and I said, mom, I uh, bought a 26 acre farm. Um, and I outdid you and dad by one <laughs> acre. <laughs> such a pain in the ass. And she goes, I am so proud of you because we had a 25 acre orchard mm -hmm. i mean which was beautiful because they uh, my dad was really into fruits and wow yeah that's like all kinds of fruits is it still there uh it it is there i guess is family still there or no no, no. i i have um my family's not there but okay. the siblings um my two siblings three of their kids are there so okay a couple of Two nieces and a nephew lived there. But but basically, what happened when the Islamic regime took over, mm -hmm. uh, or I should say hijacked the country, mm -hmm. they took over our holdings because, you know... I mean, they, they took... They took over Karaj, which was this, um, uh, the holiday home. Wow. Yeah, the gardens, um, wow. as they did other things. Also, I think that defined, for me, the moment many years later when we bought the farm. Wow. It's like taking back something that was stolen from you. Of course. Yeah. Needlessly. Yes. For no reason. So, wow. but you know, it's, it's so easy to be angry and to be upset about what happened in your life. And believe me, as an immigrant, we have so many stories, all of us, um, and what happened, but it's also very bitter mm -hmm. and it's very not serving your life, you know, so you have to make a conscious decision at some point to go forward. You have to process it and process then you have to file it away. File and then, it away. And then you have, but you, and you have to do your best to not let it be a detrimental to yeah. how you move forward. Yeah. And stop yeah, being angry. Because I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I work on that every day. <laughs> you know, we all have to, but I, I have, it's friends, very hard for me. I have friends that are still dwelling in the past. And of course we, we can't, we can't afford that. You know, we mm. need to move forward. We need to be, um, present with the joy that everyday life can be and then be able to share that with as many people as uh, we can. I was talking to a friend last night and he goes, what kind of work do you do? You don't even work. That's play. Wow. <laughs> say, yeah. No, no. But in a good way, he was complimenting. Okay. 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 That's Persian compliment. Sort of. <laughs> but, but, That's um, Persian compliment. No, no. He, know, he, <laughs> he knows me very well. We're friends from since we were like 10. And he said, that's I'm gonna, not... I'm going to use that one. That's a Persian compliment. Yeah, it's a Persian compliment. <laughs> and, and everything's upside down. Yeah, slight hand, slight of hand. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. So. so he said, no, you've created such a kind of playground where work is play and play is work, which is true. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I you enjoy what you do. Yeah, I, and, and I how, really and, do. And how many people can say that? I don't know that many who can say uh, that. I hope more and more people can because, you know, as we have people that are more and more happy mm -hmm. in their life and productive and sharing with others without anger and bitterness. And we would have a more peaceful uh, world, I think. I agree. So we can't, Mother Teresa said something beautiful. She said many beautiful things, but one thing uh, really touched my heart when I read her book. She said, no, I can't change the world but I can change the world one person at a time. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what drives me. Because mm -hmm. the opposite of that is feeling really uh, overwhelmed mm -hmm. by the violence in the world, by the meanness of people, and by all the tragedy that you know we know is around us. But if we can focus on the positive and be good, in the day, like the mitzvahs we were talking about, mm -hmm. and just be good and maybe change one person. One thing, yeah, one, one person. One thing, yeah. one person at yeah. a time, and just focus on that. Because and that's what we can control. 
right? You can control that. I can't control that. You know, my phone splashed an article this morning about the horrible earthquake in Turkey. Oh my God. Right. And I'm watching the images and I'm like, and I stopped, I stopped looking at it. I said, oh, I cannot see. Yeah. And I, you know, it's horrible. I said like a, you know, a prayer in my own head for everybody yes. there. And I said, oh my, and, and once again, realizing how fleeting life is and how it can be just taken from you in an instant like it this. It can happen anywhere. Right. But to your point, you know, you, you almost have to just like, like I said, take the device and throw it in the river because you're like, yeah. that. that's not yeah. serving. That's not doing any Mm-mm. good for me. No. And the only thing that I can control is what you just mentioned, which is like, Hey, if somebody comes into my shop today, or if, you know, I see some friends, maybe I can, I can do something to put a smile on their face. Exactly. That's something that is within my control, right? Yeah. And that's something that I think we were talking about the Jewish tradition of doing mitzvah every mm-hmm. day that you're alive. I love that. And I live by that because that's what my parents uh, instill in, in the three of us. And I think that's a lesson that is so important that mm-hmm. we need to, Act on it and then share it with people and remind people to really just do one thing a day that doesn't belong to you. Right. That is, and don't ask for something in return, no, right? No, you're just, you're just, you're just ca- doing it, right? Right. Don't right. count. Right. Don't count. Right. Be generous and don't count. All right. So I hope you enjoyed episode one. Uh, that's our first inaugural 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 it's the first episode so what's this going to be this what is this what it's going to be check out episode two episode two uh is the continuation uh we we, we i try and divide up uh each interview into two parts because sometimes they run long because our conversations are uh you know we, we take our time we enjoy the face-to-face interaction it's valuable much more valuable than scrolling and hitting like and then feeling more ostracized from the world, right? So check out episode two if you like the conversation between me and Nini, uh, and you like her story, which you know, I find fascinating. Uh, you know, check out episode two. You can listen to the end of it. The other night, I couldn't sleep. I got off my shift, and uh, I heard this freaking noise outside my window. I don't know. My buddy thinks it's a fox. I don't know what the hell it is. Anyway, if you know, if you know what the hell this thing is, uh, if there is an app for that, uh, which is uh, psychoanimalsrecordings.com uh, that identify the possessed uh, evil dead animal in my backyard, uh, let us know. Drop us a line uh, at yournightmail.com or nightmail.substack.com. Yo, stop at the station from time to time because you never know what this thing is going to be. Because <laughs> you keep doing it, you get better, and then you get good at it, and the practice makes perfect, but nobody's perfect, so then how does it 2 plus 5 equals 8? <laughs>